Welcome back, everyone, to A Critical Content. I'm sitting here today with another one of our players at our table. We have Anthony. Tony. Um, sitting with us today. How are you doing, good, sir? I am doing fantastic. How are you doing today? Good. And uh, so anyone who's watching this, don't be misled by his background. I thought that was curated. Uh, but that is, yeah, that's that's yeah. real. <laughs> that, that's that a Gabe Johnson. I, oh, but it gave it gave me a Victor from Underworld vibes. I don't know oh, why when I first saw it. I no, don't that's know. good old good old Cave Johnson of uh, of Portal fame. <laughs> he, he turns on and everything, but I do not have that on because I would be way too loud. <laughs> but yeah, thank so, you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, not a problem. Uh, so. Tony, I have known the longest out of uh, everyone at our table. We actually knew each other in high school. Um, that is fair, yeah. So, when going back in time, you know, when was the first time you actually played a TTRPG or or something like it? Well, and um, what system was it? Ooh, okay, okay. This would definitely show. I've always kind of watched it. I've had mm -hmm. some family and some um, like some older cousins that would always be interested in it, and they'd they'd be playing it, and I'd be too young. And I've I've been to con uh, conventions and things like that all through the years. Um, I would probably say late middle school, early high school, and it would go through with the uh, oh gosh, what's it? Uh, World of Darkness. Okay. And that was uh, Hunter the Reckoning, the little subset of World of mm -hmm. Darkness. Um, that would probably be where I actually like sunk my teeth in, so to speak, first in tables and tabletop RPGs. But um, ever since then, after that, like Dungeons and Dragons always held a place, Pathfinders always held a place, sure. um, and that kind of just grew from there. Like once once I got to actually try it myself, it's there's no going back. What, uh, what edition did you play first in D&D? Um, I actually played fourth, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then that piggybacked to Pathfinder, because everyone was like, you don't want to play that. You want to play Pathfinder. Yeah. And then fifth edition came out, and so I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to hyperfixate on this and go from there. I feel that um, Wizards of the Coast just did not listen to their fan base when it came to fourth edition or they you know, you know they tried something new and it just did not work out that's i think the better way to put it because they, they they don't want to rest on their laurels too much but they also still right. like money uh yeah. i mean you know kind of bouncing back as of what last year last this time last year when all of that happened with wizards of the coast but yeah either way which we are extremely relieved for because that's D&D 5e is the system that uh, we use. Uh, <laughs> yes, this would have been... That's also uh, when when we created the game, that was one of the premises. Like I was like, hey, we're not using... Aside from a system, the, the, the D20 system, which we can kind of change at any point. Everything yeah. is homebrew when it comes to like the realm, the, the deities and everything. Because we didn't know what was going to happen from for sure. month to month. But... <laughs> And I think especially, like, what we kind of provide in that aspect, that's a huge plus. Um, just because there's you just can't really expect anything. And between the story, the world, it's just... For some people, just having that big chunk of just lore of all new, like, world building, that's yeah. one of the big aspects. That's one of the big draws. I mean, that's what, that's what 
turned me on to the project initially is just a whole new world system that mm-hmm. I didn't have to create, but I can be part right. of. So- well, and having been a DM before, uh, you know of the the the, the, the strains the, the the strains that come with that. You know, building a world and everything, and yes. that's why you know with, with our game, you guys as much you build the game as much as I do. I mean, I lay the brickwork. For but, sure. You, you know, I, I lay the foundation of the house. You guys actually bring in the lumber and the paint and the nails and everything, and you build it. Yeah. Um, which, realistically, in the scope of Sarah, the world that we uh, play in, you guys have been to like one percent. of it. It has been. It it was tavern forest, dip into some political intrigue, and then let's all let's all go to an ashy city. Yeah, there you go. It's always been my personal opinion, and people are fine to disagree. You may disagree or differ. I shouldn't say disagree. Differ Um, that that first mission sets one of two tones. Or that this first, I guess, first major objective, I guess, sets the tone in one of two ways. Either you're introducing the world or you're introducing the story. Because this is a brand new world that none of you have played in. It's not it's not Feyrun, it's not water deep or something. I had to go with the previous option and be like, I have to let them know the scale and what kind of world they're in. Oh yeah. Um and the story will follow. <laughs> and you you guys are starting to pick that up, um, ish, just because ish. You, I, well, I give you choices and we go from there. Um, yeah. Uh, but, um, so you started D&D 4E, um, dipped in the Pathfinder, which was second edition at that point, and that's yes. exactly what I did. Um, and then we're at 5E. Um, what... I guess, what about 5e do you like more than... I mean, there's multiple things, of course, uh, compared to 4. But um, what is one major thing that you really enjoy that they changed or changed back to in 5e? I would say my biggest, and I think the reason why I'm still drawn to it to this day, is um, the problem-solving aspect. Um, They've opened up a lot more facets of the game. So um, they reward creativity and uh, you know creative uses of spells or of really just anything. Um, and by kind of taking the hood off of the hot rod, so to speak, you're you're giving it more room and more air to get to you know get into those engines, those creative engines. But especially for problem solving, that's probably my favorite thing because like fourth and same thing with like Pathfinder. Pathfinder was still great, don't get me wrong, but it yeah. was just combat. It's like, hey, let's fight everybody combat. Even like, what was it? Even the wizards had like combat, or everyone had like combat magic. And that's kind of what it was. It was like strictly offensive, defensive, or healing. But that was it. Whereas with 5th edition, we have utility. Like, And even then, I think it also helps this day and age with the way D&D is played. Anything could be used offensively, or anything could have a utility use if you're creative enough about it. Yes. And I think that's just what always is the big draw. Um, yeah. And that's that, that's what pulls anybody who's never even played the game before is just like, you know, it, it can literally be whatever you want. Even the spell itself can be right. however you ever want it to be. And if you can't get interested in that, then like, what's, you know, what's not to like when it comes to that? So well, it's, it's how invested in the game you get. Uh, I mean, you can say, okay, I cast Magic Missile and then ro- roll your damage. Uh, you're hitting your damage. That's it. Yeah. Your damage. 
Or you can say, like, I, I reach out my hand and these tendrils of arcane, like, just spark and, you know, yep. I, I, one game I play, I, I say, That's I, I Yu-Gi-Oh! Haku show, like, I finger gun, finger gun. With, yeah. <laughs> with my Eldritch Blast. But, uh, um, it, it just depends on the flavor that you put on it. And I think that we have a lot of characters in our game. Yes. Um, and and I'm yes, just saying, especially o- Odir does a, a wonderful job. But you all do great jobs, but Fantastic. he adds a lot of flavor to text. Yeah, to and um, if that's if that's one thing, if that's one thing, I will say at least on our our group, we definitely have a like motley crew across the board. Everybody kind of brings their own thing to the game, and I love it, right. especially for that reason. Like, we have creative levels that are across the board. We have some, you know, some that are way more when it comes to the actual role play aspect of it that's really good. Um, and, you know, so, and that's, it just works out for it. I love it, especially when it comes to the descriptions for everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's kind of shifting to our party. Um, yeah. You play Felix Cogspin, our artificer. Yes. Um, and uh, no, am I right? If Halfling. I Halfling. How dare you? Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. How I'm dare so you? Sorry. I'm so sorry. I spaced for a second for 2.5, but it was the Thanksgiving okay. turkey. That's what did it. <laughs> um, but um, what we did, uh, what you did when you built uh, in Felix, is you have a really cool component of your guy do you want to explain a little bit about felix and and his kind of kind of piggybacking off of you know what we mentioned before um with everything homebrew or as much homebrew as we can um he is uh, a a very chronal aspect i've mentioned it before with a lot of his stuff and um i think what was it i had the title of it is a chronal warden um it was a subclass i've worked on previously um just kind of tinkered on my own on my own part and it's just always seemed really interesting from not only a playing aspect from but also you know a story aspect because what's one of the biggest MacGuffins in a world of magic time yes um and so that's kind of that that's that was always the pull and other than just being a wizard that scries and you know gets lucky or gets the lucky fee and does that kind of thing i wanted to be able to implement it in other ways and and also that flavor like what we talked about before just the way it works with an with an artificer is just chef's kiss so and i i think play style especially once we start getting a little bit more up and we start getting a little bit of a crazier his crazier abilities um i know that'll get a little wild um still trying to work out when that's going to be going with it but but yeah Yeah. the fact the fact with the uh with the replacing the replacing dice rolls with the chronal anchors and we're about to get up to the port where it'll start actually it was it giving temp hp to people whenever i'm able to use them and i don't want to give away some of the some of the farther stuff ahead but sure it gets it gets kind of timey it's a little well, wobbly like we said explain that chronal anchor because i know in the game because uh, i don't think we might have actually explained it in game yeah. um but um yeah explain chronal anchor for for people sure i think we've we've really only kind of touched it a little bit and that that Mm -hmm. was on the wagon ride into town um but what he focuses on is potential magic like potential energy so obviously in the world there's magic 
everywhere. It's very midichlorian-esque. Um, and what this does is, is not taps into the current well of available magics in the world, or arcana, so to speak. He taps into all of it. Um, how much, you know, one area could have more in the future or more in the past. And so it just has this wellspring that he's just really scratching the surface on that lets him pull from it. Um, same thing with when it comes to people, when he's using it on people or things of that nature. He's not using the current, he's using wherever that energy is most in their timeline, so to speak. Um, he hasn't gotten to that point yet in terms of studies and mastery of it. That's why he can only sure. mainly do it for like his gun. But the anchor particularly, whenever he does his ability, he's basically snapshotting that success or that fail from whoever it was, that energy that, that made that success happen. So then later on, we can adjust the timeline, so to speak, for an ally or an enemy to recreate that success or failure, to basically give them that energy that they needed to succeed or take it away to make it fail. Which, realistically, I think that this that element is being completely taken for granted and not understood uh, yes, because I <laughs> if you think about it, you are literally like <clears throat> i think it's kind of arbitrary oh he's doing a a feat ability which is is fine you yeah. know they they don't know any better but like i'm literally sitting there and saying like this dude is warping time uh, chance yep. and possibility and then someone and just rolled to hit yeah, and the way we've kind of played it off is like it's stutter stops. Like I think we've used right. it. What we've used it mostly for successes. Like well, I'll mm -hmm. save the D two. I'll save like a, a crit for banner or somebody like that. Sure. But I think we've used it like maybe once or twice when we had a crit fail. And yeah, the best the best way we explained it was it just kind of stutter stops and they slip up and trip because who's to suspect like you know time skipping where they are or. or switching positions with a version of you that's failed right and so it's kind of hard to go through and i know especially story-wise like felix knows what he has and so he tries to be as vague or as withheld when it comes to that sure. with, with that kind of information because sure you know especially nowadays like where we are in our world there's so many new technologies like you know we have yep. guns and things of that nature and he doesn't want that cat out of the bag because he doesn't know what a bunch of people using that right. you know energy will do and so that's like when he when he was talking with O'Darren about it he just kind of not necessarily plays it off but tries to explain it as simply or as gen, gen, like in general terms as possible without getting people more notice to it I would say sure because um, he knows how dangerous it could be and he barely knows about it as, as it is so. Yeah, and that was going to be, and that's kind of a question that I've left myself—I've been not wanting to ask, and I'm actually <laughs> going to ask it here. Um, and you can either—if it spoils too much, fine, you don't have to answer. Or okay. if it's going to be like, we'll talk about it later, like off the screen, that's fine. How did Felix realize that he is able to do this, manipulate um, time and possibility and chance? I, I think part of it is going to be discussing with you, like off, off okay. the side. Because, of okay. course, I, I have my own ideas, but I want to, you know, make it fit for everything else. Um, I would think, based on his current situation with his family, or his, with his father, um, he's always 
always had a connection to magic, but his father, um, which we haven't really touched base too much on yet in the story, yep. um, he's a clockmaker. And so, um, you know, single dad takes care, takes care of Felix. And so he's always tinkering, fixing clocks, you know, doing thing about, so he's, he's stuck in this, in this, in this clock store. So that's what always has given him tools just to kind of tinker and mess around with. And I think, um, one of the main things I had, at least in his backstory, his dad's been super supportive, um, and just trying to like, you know, keep him interested in what he likes, but being shackled to that, that clock store, he's kind of tailored it to, to that. So I, I would say at least for fans and people that are listening Mm -hmm. i think it's just because that's the world that he was in he was passionate about something so he stayed focused on it and he was able to find a way to pull that love of what his dad finds fascinating and i think that's kind of the driving force behind it because of course if you if you if you think something's really cool but then if you changed it a little bit or did something because you knew your parent or someone you looked up to was you know liking this other way getting it to where it's something that involves them too is just so much better and it's something you can share with them and i think that was kind of the drive um yeah i think that'd be the best one without like screwing the pooch so to speak when it comes to going over any story beats but that's what i would say well and um we haven't made abundantly public player backgrounds and everything because i'm very much one for audiences and players discovering as you go tripling Um, it out yeah for sure and i'm definitely i would say at least for what i have planned like what what i have in mind with felix he's very close chess i think if anything uh seven would probably know a little bit more than anybody else just from relations before meeting with the group but even then he doesn't you know he doesn't really like to go out and talk about it well, and I, and I myself like just knowing the bit about your backstory and just that closeness with your your father and everything with Felix's yeah. father. Um, I've also had like ideas about like where this energy or this ability came from, which we can definitely talk about uh, for sure. I love it, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it very much is. It's it's the nuclear problem. Once yep. one person gets nukes, how many that other is, people get nukes? That is what it boils down to when it came to character concept for me, is you want the name, what like name, race, class, whatever, but then you want that like one sentence concept of him. And that's what it is, is you know, you get the keys to the kingdom like that. It's like the, you know, Oppenheimer thing where mm-hmm. you know, you know how dangerous this is. But how much do you want to use it to let it start leaking out into the world? Or, you know, that's and it, that's kind of also played off in our in the story that we've done so far, because everyone wants to be a group. Everyone wants a name and everyone, you know, like every, some of us are cool with just being seen and known in the town and, and being, you know, being popular like that we're like, you know, Felix does not want that attention. <laughs> he does not sure. want people starting to see this right. and looking into it more and and you know that's why i would even say too that even goes back to like how i describe whenever he does this stuff it is very not flashy um it is not it is he doesn't really want it to be seen or if it is he wants it to look like other magic or technology which i think that's why it also falls back to looking more just like technology than nowadays with it so i mean the the i think the the statement you say is just i'll clock that which is no different than somebody who just did a perception check me like all right i'm gonna clock that person great cool saying i clocked that could mean a million things yeah um and 
and I think that works really well in terms of like the build or like the way I have it set up with him because he just has his little he has his timepiece which even then like the way I had set up if anybody like if somebody tried to rob him or knocked him out and looked at it it just looks like a clock it, it looks like a fancy a fancy timepiece you know nothing nothing crazy to it but then in conjunction in conjunction with the gear that he has and his magical ability that sets it off that's mm-hmm. when it gets that that spark so to speak so exactly. yeah for sure so you mentioned uh seven who we interviewed will act in previously uh playing our yes. barbarian our our warforged barbarian um so what if much backstory did you two develop because you guys came into the game kind of being the only yes. knowing each other people um so what did that kind of meeting look like because uh, yeah yeah well i mean we got the we got the all clear from you and we definitely liked the idea um especially character wise like i mean even with felix being out of home and 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 journeying and everything he still loves gizmos he still loves gadgets he loves all of that and i think it would just be it was a perfect fit um that he would run into seven that he would run into will's character and i know with us kind of going back and forth it's kind of hard when you have two people like Will's Will's kind of the same way for me. He definitely puts a lot of work in his backstory, and I would say with like I wouldn't even know how much more he has more than what he's like mentioned to me. But that being said, going into it, we both were very close to chess. Obviously, yeah. for for Will's case, Seven doesn't know, and so yeah. it was more on the lines of Will was really excited to share stuff, but it was like, but Seven won't really know, like you know Seven doesn't know this. He's literally just walking into the world new, and I think that helps more. Ex- on the same side of things because Felix didn't really any interaction Felix would have with seven before we met the group was more just him studying him. I think like that was just the, the best thing that we agreed on is just him more like, yeah, okay, I'll follow you. I'll help you learn. But then he also Felix is opportunist. He knows like, okay, well this big menacing thing will also protect me and keep me sure. safe so I can get my stuff done. Sure. And I, I think that's kind of what we, what we had agreed on. It was a, pretty pretty quick back and forth message um and and i would say that's what it kind of boiled down to but i know we were both i mean we still are we're still excited to share as much as we can you know how it usually is like we want to share stuff but we don't want to do it outside of the game and yep that's the same energy that we have with the entire group which is awesome and i think just the way that you people are like oh he's going to dad for money or something like that it's not so much that it I see it very much like, um, I think I mentioned it in Will's episode, very much like Full Metal Alchemist. Like, yeah, for sure. You know, like he is the the little brother that mm-hmm. doesn't know, and yet he's huge. And he's, then you're yeah. Elric, who is tiny and gets, you know, but doesn't get offended because of his height. So, <laughs> more gnome than halfling. <laughs> but yeah, I think. I think I've never. I, I, he hadn't crossed that line when it came to the height, in at least in story. But I would say. I would definitely agree with that. Like, it's been to the point now where, you know, he is, he's looking out for him as a family member. And obviously with Beakley now too, that just kind of hammers it home. Um, He he never, he's never had, he's never had family other than his dad and then like, and his neighbors. So he's very, uh, very protective of that. And with how, I don't want to say defenseless, but how new he is to everything and how he's relearning everything definitely adds that innocence to it so to speak um 
so he's yeah so it's definitely something he's latching onto uh both physically and mentally i would say aside from whatever programming or other stuff he picked up a lot of it is influenced on this relationship that you two have built yes um, because what is okay what is not okay um and I, I just think it's it's wonderful your guys's interaction i think will plays uh, oh, i don't want to say oblivious well but uh, there's no, a certain amount of naivete yeah he's he's spot yeah. on with it and, and especially for a lot of this like i i cannot preface like like state that enough we literally had a brief line of messages before we started recording like session one and then maybe one or two messages during session one or session or session two like after that the rest of it sure. is all off the cuff it's literally just while we're recording back and forth i think you know it hits it hits off really well when it comes to it and i think uh we're both we're both nailing it when it comes to that he's he he has it down pat and i think especially with the uh the will interactions um i think that's also helping things too with it so it's yeah i i i would definitely agree i i definitely he he has a very good naive way of going about things while while still knowing what he's doing yeah and between your guys's journeys it, it, it brought you you know, to meet the rest of the party, then met Beakley and everything. Uh, Lendris, as you guys have recently discovered. Well, first yeah. off, I should say this. Why did you originally take Lendris's deal to do this wellness check, essentially? The knowledge portion of it. Well, okay. yeah, when, when she said she knows things, as well as, you know, flashing a whole, you know, mass of different stuff. Uh, sure. That's options. That's opportunities. That's things that could help him in his situation and help his family, help his dad. And I think that, like, without giving too much, that's the reason why he's out in the world. Um, like, that is that's everything. So if he can get the sooner he can get that done, and the sooner he can get back to his dad, you know, so that when that flash of opportunity hit, like I said, he's an opportunist. You know, he is. He, he jumped on it regardless of what everyone else said i even think that he was the first person was like yep okay let's do it let's go mm -hmm. so and i think that's what it is now you know if it actually is or not that's that's for us to find out but <laughs> but yeah no the the just the mere chance of, of an opportunity for it i think that's what that's what struck him the hardest do you think uh that the that Felix's hope has grown, maintained, diminished in the light of finding out that Lendris is a dragon of sorts, particularly a song dragon, which is from previous editions. And I really liked it, so I brought it in. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I would, I think at the point, no matter what, his high, his hopes are high. Um, and he's kind of at the point where he's not going to be thinking, I don't want to say rationally, I think he's going to be looking everything with rose-colored glasses. I think okay. he has, he's met, you know, he's met these people, they're all semi-like-minded in terms of, you know, what we have in, in right now going back. Um, I'm not sure how he's going to react based on whatever we find out or okay. if it's bad news we're gonna have to kind of play it wait and see 
if he's going to think it's fruitful enough to stay with these people. Uh, you know, like, that's where it's kind of going to be hitting home, I, I would say, with that. But um, I don't think it's really hit on him yet. I think he's just thinking this massive power, that whatever has caused this, should be strong enough to make a change or to make a difference. And if he can take that, you know, that potential energy or whatever it may be, and use that to get what to get his needs to met or you know completed or finished so to speak um i think as long as he finds that i that's all he's trying to do so we'll see if that blows up in his face or or what so i that's that's what i would have to say because we haven't really found anything and i i think that kind of touches back to what we mentioned before i think he hopes that somewhere else in this land is someone else that's using the same magic or mm. harnessing this and i think that could be partially like maybe his hope is he finds somebody that knows it or does it better and so he could just be like hey help me sure uh but i i think realistically he's just trying to find something that he thinks is strong or has a lot of power arcane or physical so he can try and i don't want to say manipulate but use it so sure well, yeah. I mean, there, there's the, the character's main drive, and then there's everything underneath that to get to that point. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't want to say the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but in order to, you know, get to your destination, there has to be a road. Somebody has to pave it. Yes. And it may not be clean. It, it may not even be, it, it may be clean. But the way that you get there depends on that person's drive, you know, especially yeah. when it comes to a parent-child relationship, you know. And I think, I think that's the biggest motivator, and uh, definitely agreeing with you on that. Um, he, we have not, he, I don't want I don't have anything labeled in terms of morality for him. I don't want to say he's a bad guy, he's not a bad guy, um, but I... I think when it's coming through on the lines of what he would do for his dad, sure. uh, there's a lot of room to test his morality, I would say. Um, yeah. And especially especially when it comes to that, you know, you never can tell. So, Well, and I would say that we kind of run with a generally morally ambiguous group. Aside from, yes. I, I would say, Banner, who is pretty i don't want to say clear cut but he has his convictions and they they lend more to the good side everyone yes. else like it, it kind of feel it feels like they could if they really wanted to swing to the dark I think side like one I mean, or two bad the, decisions away Sith from empire for life there you go um, i think hey we, we plan star wars shirts i got nub nub hey hey my, my beautiful millennium falcon back here um but love it but i think our team is <laughs> we are easily on that line where like one or two bad decisions or just you know you make i, I think if it was like ren odaren and seven mad at the same time i think we just fear off and we would we would we i don't think we'd be going back like i think if one or two of us is fine but i think if you got if you got those those three or even you know oh man i don't know but that's I think that's the point with it. I think like we're we're all enough kind of morally gray, or at least on the lighter side of that gray, that a couple bad decisions or a couple bad turn of events, yeah. man. Oh, I don't know. And, and I don't even think it'd be in pursuit of power. I think it would it would no. have to be a purely emotional, gut wrenching yes. reaction is what yeah. would have to happen. Uh, because I really don't 
I, I don't think Odarin or or Seven or even Ren. Specifically, I yeah, specifically Odarin too. Like that's what I'm saying. If we ever saw, what was it? We've seen fall and we've seen spring, right? We haven't seen summer, and I thought we talked about winter. So I don't even know what those are. But but yeah, Odarin's been so far the bright chipper of us. Banner has been the rock fast steady for us. And then, you know, Seven can kind of go, he's, I would say he's the wild card. Don't tell him. Sure. Don't release this to Will so he reads, he gets this right now. Well, I, I don't know. It could be, for all we know, Seven could be driving the wheel at some time. So it could be oh, Will. And yeah, you're right. Yeah, it, you know, you, that is, the sc- surface has literally just been scratched on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then it feeds off of that with Beakley, too. And that's, I think he's getting too many bad lessons from, from Seven. He slaughtered a man. <laughs> Beakley he killed a guy. A <laughs> Beakley killed a guy. Like, cold blood, <laughs> flat out. And we all clapped. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> well, you have to we imagine in Critical Role when, when, because, I mean, they had season one. They had Trinket. Uh, yeah, they had Trinket before the, the streaming happened because they had the home game and then they went in. You have to imagine that there was probably an episode or something where, like, Trinket Trinket tore a man apart. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and you yeah, guys got no. an owl bear now. Yeah. So, like, Trinket that's your, 2. That's 0. your fault. That's your fault. He, he, you know what? There were things that could have happened and there's things that did happen and they happened. <laughs> so. Um, you gave us a baby or a pup. What is it? I don't even know what a cup. A cup. A bear cup. Technically, but so it's just really exciting to see you. I think that you guys have gotten a pretty decent lay of the land. The whole reason with Volkstad is I had to kind of introduce like the, the political. Oh, yeah. um, strata of the world and I, I gave I give opportunities you know you can choose to do one thing or choose to do another uh, that was literally almost an entire episode for you guys was deciding what to do oh boy so. and, and, and I think that plays off I know I know all of us really want to to lock into something and I think with all of us are more worried that everyone else is on board with the same thing and sure. thankfully, I even think since session one, like you can see that growth when it comes to everyone kind of fitting in or feeling into their spot that they're comfortable with in the party. Right. And I think now that we're finally starting to hit that mark and, and hitting that groove, um, we're hitting those role play beats and, and starting to go a little bit better. So we don't just have like two weeks of store sessions or buying sure. colorful flowers. Uh but I love that too. I mean, everybody cares so much about about their character and about the group, mm-hmm. and that plays off with it. You know, that's and, and that's what I definitely love. That that's 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 probably one of my favorite things so far. Well, and in this campaign, it is there is because I, I go not only based on set plot points, but I like and that was one of the questions I asked when I talked to you guys before yeah. we started. You know, we have things where character backstories influence where they don't influence the main plot line but there's plenty of opportunity um for you guys to follow and do whatever you want um because i'm i'm one that i can play characters with absolutely no needing of backstory satisfaction and i've played other characters where like this is the entirety of the character (laughs) the prophecy is fulfilled (laughs) yeah 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 
Um, I hear that. But it's, um, I, I also like, you know, do, so I do like those standalones. I like when things weave into one another. And yeah. um, the, the beauty of um, homebrew is that you can, you can do that. I'm not locked into a book or anything like that, which I like yeah. modules, don't get me wrong, but there's just something about, and, and I'm sure you know, something about writing your own that if you need to, sure. you can change the MacGuffin on the fly because you have yep. to. Um, be like, oh, if I'm doing a, a, a module, it's like, oh, they, they killed the one person they needed. Crap. Well, in the homebrew, it's like, there's six more of them just waiting to be They're made. just waiting back there. They're waiting <laughs> back there. Yeah. That's, I, that's my biggest strength over, or my biggest pro over modules. Modules are great if you are teaching people basics or if you don't have a lot of time on your hands um or even for new dms i recommend sure. for people if you're if you're starting oh, yeah. out get a module it helps it, it gives you everything you need and then once you've done that enough time to know that flow and know how hard they're going to ruin your plans um then then you start doing that homework uh because yeah there's nothing like it especially especially just the fact that you kind of it's almost more of a game for the dm yeah, that, that's the same thing we've talked about before. Like during uh, during during the start of this, I I'm always a forever DM, and mm -hmm. it's it's great on that side of things because you have to go against what they're doing. It's not sure. trying to kill them, yeah. but you have to roll with the punches. Yeah, and love it. I love it to death for it, and I would definitely agree, um, especially when it comes to that. And I know we've tried to ruin your plans a lot. Well, and and there have been times where I'm not going to say they're ruined. But when you guys de defeated the like wrath entity, that <laughs> you were directly pointed to that guy. I I'm going to be completely yeah. honest. I thought you were going to explore the city first before just charging into a deep dark hole. We were just like, nope, let's go. Because like realistically, that that guy was I don't even care. That guy was controlling all the other little sections oh. throughout the city. So whenever like I said that you defeated, you see like a throughout yeah, the city yeah that's you know and that's that's fun though because you played your game the way you guys wanted to play and yeah. you got pinpointed towards something fantastic and you did something with it wonderful am i mad about it no that's on i mean it's no love lost because yeah. it, it's just encounters that okay maybe i'll use them somewhere else later on down the line um that's all you but, can do in those situations like yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't like pigeonholing <laughs> players, but I mean, sometimes there's certain things that have to happen for story. Um, yeah, for, for for certain story beats, or if you're just wanting this one little special thing to go off, and as long as it's not too railroady, oh yeah, you know, by all means, like, hey, yeah. you you poison the players, they pass out, or they, like they got drugged, and then they wake up and they're behind bars, or they're all tied yeah. together, you know, like that kind of thing. That's you know, I gotcha. I yeah. did kind of think that it was really easy that we were like, let's go back to that tower and just zipped right back over, got it cleared. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, and I will say, I do love the fact for someone that has been a forever DM, I thought I would do be the note taker. Odarin has definitely claimed that to no end. Mm -hmm. He is all, he is all in all it, but I am still proud of the fact that I called that dragon point blank to you multiple yeah. times yeah i just smell yeah. a dragon i knew well, it 
I think I'm it's proud hard of your to... Stonewall. I'm proud of your yeah. Stonewall. You didn't even it's flinch. If it's for so for hard. not for the people for for recording, I just stared straight at him when I said it. Just deadbeat. No emotion because I was waiting to see something on his face. He sent it right back like a mirror. I was like, dang it. <laughs> I've gotten but, people before. And, mm. and I think that's the hardest part when you are a forever DM, when you do get to play, is turning off your DM brain. Yes. It's turning yes, off yes, like, yes, yes. okay, th- if like there's this puzzle going on, we have tried this. That means if I were the DM, I would do this. I would do it this way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or Which is no, fun. this is the setting. It's pro- we're in a rock setting. There's probably going to mm. be some sort of like golem or something like that. Um, for sure. But so uh, I-, I do appreciate you you sitting with me. Uh, there is one thing y'all don't know about Tony is that he does gaming for charity. Um, yes. Yes. Recently, yes, yes, why don't yes. you tell everybody what 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 you do annually? Correct. Yes, this was, yeah. we actually just finished it up at the uh, at the start of November. That was, um, we are a part of the Extra Life uh, charity, um, where it helps uh, local children's hospitals. Well, so for us, St. John's Children's Hospital um, here in Springfield, Illinois. And every year, me and uh, we have a variety of people, um, but we have a group of at least four um, that have been doing it now. Like I said, uh, this was our 10th year, but I did it by myself a couple years before that too mm-hmm. um where we stream for 20 24 but it's always daylight savings time so it's 25 hours um and we try to raise as much money as we can for st john's children's hospital um the, the stream itself already ended but we're still actually going to be taking donations from now up until the end of the year um mm-hmm. and i think we're also going to be doing another 12 hour stream um at some point coming up um, cause I was going to do a one shot on the stream, but, um, we had a ton of fun doing a couple other games. And so we just decided to skip it for, uh, sure. for a secondary stream, but sure. it's been great. Um, I think this year we're already at, oh gosh, I think we're over 2000. Um, we raised over 2000 at the, at the event and we're still getting more donations in, um, which is fantastic. Oh yeah. It's great. We've, uh. I think our biggest year was right before COVID started. We had the, the Wyndham donated us a, a conference room. We had a bunch of the PR people from St. John's come out. We even had a family um, with their uh, son who beat leukemia. He played with us for about three hours on stream. We absolutely loved them so much. Um, nothing but love for St. John's Children's Hospital and anything that we can do to help them out. They always, um, they're always a delight. So we always do whatever we can this time of year, but it's absolutely fantastic. Wonderful, and who's and and for all those that say that gaming doesn't do anything for everyone, well, here it is. It does. Yeah, so, for suck it up. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's fantastic. It's 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 really great. I know. I always told my wife initially it was just an excuse to get to see my friends at least one time yeah. a year. Let's yeah. play, and especially now, like I don't want to make it seem like you know, oh, you know, these guys are are bending over backwards to do this. Like it's still, especially now we all have kids, you know, throughout the year, you you know what I'm talking about. So the fact that one day a year we get 24 hours where we all just get to hang out, meet back up and just play what we love for that from that past year and just be able to hang out and record. It is a delight. Like that alone is worth it. But then we're also making money for St. John's. So like it's just icing on the cake. But it is also 24 hours staying awake. Oh, my gosh. Like. This week I, or this this year, I was awake for thirty five hours because I also had to work 
and drop off my kids yeah and set up and it so people are like oh yeah 24 hours i'm like it's actually like 35 yeah. like with like maybe it's a two-hour two nap it's two days pretty much <laughs> but i'm used to it i got kids yeah, used to it? i feel you but <laughs> thank you again so much tony uh we appreciate you and for everyone listening for everyone watching we invite you to come look at our previous content. We have our Springfield one-shots where we spot, speak to locally owned and operated businesses here in Springfield, Illinois. Gotta support our mom and pop shots. Uh, shops. We have our campaigns and then we have our critical content like this where we interview not only our players, but we've interviewed people from TikTok. We've done YouTube, um, a man who wrote uh, a musical about D&D which is ongoing with over 200 NPCs from the spreadsheet he showed me. 200 so, NPCs? Oh he adds characters and he's building a universe and it's beautiful. Anyway. Way to do it. <laughs> thank you so much, Tony. Thank you all for listening. Thank and you. until next time, five to places.